verse 1 down to verse 17, as, uh, as we look here at this passage that Paul writes. If ye then being, be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. In the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now you also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you've put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of God that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, But Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which... Also, you're called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Verse 17, underline the verse. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Father, I pray this morning... As we gather together, now we stand and we hear the word of God being read and now preached. I pray that you will bless us today. Help me to speak my heart as you have leading me. And I pray that you'll minister to our church in the way that only you can. In the name of Jesus we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. I was listening this week to uh, uh, Charles Swindoll. And uh, I don't think anyone can tell a story or deliver an illustration like that man can. And I was listening to a message that he was, that delivered on, uh, on marriage. And uh, he, he read this, uh, it was something that his son had sent him the week prior. And uh, it's just something that I thought was very funny. He said six retired Floridians were playing poker in their condo clubhouse when Myrowitz lost $500 on a single hand. Overtaken with such an extravagant loss, he is last seen clutching his chest and suddenly dropping dead on the table. Showing respect for their fallen comrade, the other five continued playing cards standing up. Finkelstein finally looked around at the group and asked, So, 
Who is going to tell his wife? Well, no one wanted to do it, so they decided to draw straws, and Goldberg picked the short one. They tell him to be discreet, to be gentle, don't make a bad situation any worse. Discreet, says Goldberg. I'm the most discreet person you'll ever meet. Discretion is my middle name. You just leave it to me. So Goldberg goes over to Myrowitz's apartment. He knocks on the door and the wife answers with, What do you want? Goldberg declares, Well, your husband just lost $500 in a poker game and he's afraid to come home. To which she replied, Tell him to drop dead. I don't care who you are, that's funny. And it has nothing to do with my message today. I just thought we needed some humor. I just busted out laughing when I heard that. I thought it was good. All right? And I don't want us to be so strong in our Bible that we can't laugh, okay? I was reading an article this week put out by Tom Rainer. He's a guy that does a lot of church research, and, and uh, he had wrote an article concerning 10 major trends for local churches in America in 2023. And I will open this by saying he doesn't study independent Baptist churches or Southern Baptist churches. He studies all churches, all denominations. And so this is not just one particular group. This is something that they have put data together and things that have been going on in recent years. And these are the things that they have put together. The first one is this. Local congregations will emphasize evangelism more than any point in the past three decades. I start out, I'm glad he started out with that number one because I can agree with that. I'm thankful for that. He says that church leaders understand they can't lead a church to growth with cultural Christians, which, of course, in itself is a true oxymoron. You cannot do that with cultural Christians and transfer growth. If churches desire truly to make disciples, they must begin with evangelism. And the second trend, as it begins to slide downward is there is an increase in the growth of diversity in congregations, which will be its greatest ever in 2023. For that, I applaud and I agree with. We should not be segregated churches. Can I get an amen? He says millennials see a monocultural generation as out of touch, and Generation Z cannot imagine anything monocultural, especially a church. There ought to be diversity in the body of Christ. As, and, and as a result, in the local church. Then he says, number three, the year 2023 will be a record year for church adoptions. And let me explain that. An adopted church is a congregation that comes into the family. Their, their care and authority of another usually healthier church. And of course, more churches will seek adoption because they are about to die and close. And what that means, a struggling church that is not doing so well, they're ready to close up. And it's not going to forward and they're giving up. And so they're adopted into a healthier body. 
And so their congregation begins to become a part of that church. And we see adoption in that way. More churches, number four, will have specific global partners. Churches in America will seek to partner with churches in other nations, particularly where the gospel is spreading the most rapidly. This trend is more than an increase in mission giving. It is an intentional and strategic partnership with a specific church or churches. You could say that we do that already with our Filipino mission, our Filipino National Pastors Project. We have different churches in the Philippines that we, that we minister to and help. In a couple of weeks, I just got a prayer letter uh, last night of uh, Brother, uh, Brother Angel Azacena, uh, who is there in Angot. And uh, they just finished a project in the church that our church was able to help them with, a Filipino project was able to help them with. And I'm looking forward to sharing those pictures with you. But uh, I'm also... Uh, I'm just excited about what God's doing there, and we're about, to, we're about to triple the size of that ministry. Then there is, um, lost my sheet here. Then there is the time between pastors for churches will be longer than ever. I can remember when a long-term interim period was 12 months, which was the case with Somerville looking for a pastor to follow Pastor Lewis. He says, today many churches have these interim periods for as long as two to three years or more. I find that one of the reasons for that is that, that men are leaving the ministry at a very high rate in the day in which we live. And there is a great need for pastors today. We'll get in that a little bit in my message. Number six, the number of inner pastors will be greater than ever as a result of number five. The trend is... Uh, is obviously corollary uh, to what I just wrote to you. And some of these interim pastors are preachers only. Others are considered intentional interims with consultative roles as well as preaching. Then number seven, more churches will request consultations than at any point in American church history. He says, for example, we get ten times more requests now at Church Answers than we did just three years ago. Congregations are more willing or more desperate to seek outside counsel and outside help. Number eight, church autopsies will be the fastest growing area of research in American churches. Simply because thousands of churches have closed and we are trying to discover the reasons for their death. Number nine, more pastors and staff will become bivocational and co-vocational. Simply, the, the, the latter term, co-vocational, means, refers to those who choose to remain in the marketplace, continue to work outside of ministry. But, but bivocational pastors are those who have work outside the church because their church could not compensate them with full-time pay. There's going to be a great increase, increase of that. Um, number 10, more pastors and staff will get their theological and ministry training in the church. This trend has been growing the past decade and will continue to grow even more in 2023. And of course, that is the trend that I came up with 30 years ago uh, that, that I followed. So we're, we're seeing some positives, but we're also seeing a lot of negatives. And the truth is, there are a lot of people who are leaving the local church for different reasons. 
And that is, that is a sad state in which we live in today. This morning, I want to give you ten, uh, a few things that I'm asking you to pray with me about in 2023. There are ten things. And if you'll pull out a note and paper, if you got your bulletin and jot these down, that'll be fantastic. Because I want you to pray with me. If you don't have those, you can go back uh, and look at on our Facebook page and re-listen to this uh, video again later. But these are some things that I am praying about this year. And I'm asking you to pray with me about uh, these things as well. And I won't spend a lot of time on each of these. But I feel like they are very important. And they're not in any particular order. But all of them have great importance in our church. I want our church to succeed. I want to see our church do well. I went back and looked at all of the numbers from 2021 and 2022. We increased, we inc- we, our church grew in every area over the last year. I want to see that growth even more in the next year. And that's even with losing a lot of people. We're like every church, we lose a lot of people. They move off, they go to different things, different reasons. Uh, but we still have a net growth, and that's important for a church. The first one is this. I want us, I'm praying for us to be, and, and I'm not saying we're lacking in this area, but I'm saying that all of us can grow in this area. And that is we're a spirit-led congregation. A spirit-led congregation. Well, of course, to be a spirit-led congregation, number one, everybody has to be saved. Amen? Romans 8 verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Would you turn your Bible to John chapter 16, the Gospel of John chapter 16? I want to ask you the question this morning. What influences us the most in our day-to-day lives? We know this, if we watch the news, we get fired up. Am I the only one? I mean, we get stirred up. I turned the news on for two minutes. Christy was in the kitchen cooking, and she said, can somebody please turn the channel? Two minutes. All right? I know we can get fired up. That can influence us. Our friends, our family influences us. Our... uh, Just different things in our life, they're influential in our life. Gospel of John chapter 16 verse 13, Jesus said these words, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. We need to practice spiritual discernment. Okay, what is right and what is wrong? How is God leading me to this or is, or, is, or, is, or is the culture leading me to this? Is news leading me to this? Is people leading me to this? We just got through in Acts chapter 16 recently, and, and Paul went to Europe for the first time. He went to Macedonia because he was led of the Spirit of God. And so, and, and, and Paul could say there's a need in every direction, but it was important for him to be where God wanted him to be at that particular time. And so every day in our life, we need to say, Lord, I've got this agenda today, I've got this plan, but would you please lead me? And if you need to change it, change it. 
And Lord, I'm going to church today and we need to be led by the Spirit of God. And Lord, I'm going to face temptations today. And before I make the mistake, would your Spirit convict me before I do that? We need to be led of the Spirit of God at all times. And that is a combination of knowing what God's Word has to say. And listening to that still small voice in our heart. Now, I will say this to these young men standing right here, sitting right here. You cannot know the will of God for your life if you're not in the Word of God. You cannot know that. You can have an agenda, you can have a dream, and you can go over that. But if you are not in the Word of God regularly, there is no way for you to know what God's will is for your life. Because people will tell you, people always ask, what are you going to do with your life? What's next for you? The question we should be asking as adults to our young people is this. What, is, what do you think God, where's God leading you with your life? That's the question we should be asking. And so you need to be praying and seeking the Lord and allowing God to lead you. And we as adults need to be setting that example. Secondly, that we sincerely pray for one another. Do you know, do you know, I would even say this is true at Somerville Baptist Church. And if it's true here, I can promise you it's true everywhere else. The least attended meeting in any church is prayer meeting. And if people say we're going to pray, people don't show up, people don't come. People would rather, well, I'll just pray at home, I'll just pray. Listen, there is something about two or three gathered together in the Lord's name and agreeing on something and praying together in unity. Amen? Would you do me a favor? Would you look to your right? Would you look to your left? Would you look behind you? Would you look in front of you? You are surrounded by people who have great needs. There are people in this room this morning that are carrying enormous burdens that you don't know anything about. There are some things that make a prayer list, but there are some things that come on my phone or come on my desk or come in my office where people have a need in their life and they don't want everybody to know that and it is, it is not for me to share that. But there are so many people that are broken sitting here today that need you and I to be praying for them. And that doesn't mean that you don't have needs as well. Listen, I'm sharing my heart with you. I believe that Satan would love for you to focus on your problems and nobody else's. Because if you're focused on your problems, you get discouraged, don't you? I get discouraged when I think of things that are wrong in my life. And I'm focused on me and I'm thinking, why is this not going right? And the truth is, there's a whole lot of people going through things that are much bigger than what I am going through. But if we can focus inwardly, we die. And when I'm down and discouraged, I found this true in my life. You can say amen to this or not. 
When I am down and discouraged, I don't want to pray. I don't. That's when I should be praying, but I have found this to be true. I do not want to pray. There are times where Christy comes to me and she says, hey, can we pray? And, I, and I, I'm just being transparent with you. And I say, no, I can't right now. I'm just, I don't have, I'm not in the right spirit. That's your pastor telling you this. But I have learned this. If I'll, get off, if I'll get off me for a little while and I'll start praying for other people and seeing their needs and burdens, it does something to my own spirit. Miss Becky Shinnick found out this week she had, where's she at? She found out she's got, she has breast cancer this week. She's sending an oncologist tomorrow. Will you pray about that? Sedina Turney lost an uncle this week. I, I cannot tell you the burdens that people are carrying. People who are waiting, who are having tests run and seeing doctors, and there are things going on in people's homes. There are things going on in people's life. And you and I, we don't need to know all of those things, but we do have a responsibility as a church to lift one another up in prayer. I encourage you. We pray every Wednesday night. And here in the auditorium, we pray every Sunday at 8.15. Well, the guys meet in my office. The ladies meet in a classroom in the, in the auditorium. Let's pray for one another. You remember when I first became pastor, I had a sign-up sheet in the back in the, in the lobby. It had the hours from, 10 a, from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m., Sunday through Saturday, every day of the week. And I asked everybody to sign up and pick a time that you will promise to pray for our church and the ministries of our church. Y'all remember that? I've got that list in my desk. And I think it is important that we revisit that. Because I feel in my own spirit that praying for our church has dwindled off a little bit. Because I'm facing things and I'm fighting things that I have not had to face or fight. And I want us to get back to praying. So we're going to leave that up for a few weeks. Go by there and pick a time. It's, it's divided up by 30 minutes. Pastor, does that mean i got to pray for 30 minutes? No, it would be great if you did, but no. But if somebody's covering our church family every 30 minutes, man, God can do something with that. Amen. Number three, quickly. That lifelong relationships are built. I think it is important that our greatest friends are in our church congregation. And Proverbs 18, verse 24 says this, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. So that means that we need to make an attempt, every attempt possible, to get to know somebody. Hello? When I do this, I want you to agree with me. All right? When y'all start agreeing with me, I'll quit doing this. All right? Make an attempt this year to get to know somebody in the church you don't know. Show yourself friendly. Rather than waiting for everybody to come to you, just go to somebody. Invite them out to lunch. Have them over to the house for dinner. Get to know somebody. Encourage one another. Amen? Gain a new friend. Build relationships. I believe a healthy church is a church where people show up early and people leave late. 
I like it when we have to stand around and wait to lock up the church and turn off the lights because people don't want to leave. I think that's a great problem. Show up early, you're excited, you can't wait to get there. I love it when I get a text on Saturday night and somebody says, Pastor, I'm praying for tomorrow. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Be excited. Get a part of a life group. Our life groups have increased in attendance through over the, uh, this past year. And it, we've, we've, not just from last year, but it is stair-stepping its way up. Get a part of a life group and find people that you can live life with and pray together with and get involved with. Very soon, I'm going to have all of our life group leaders up here. And we're going to talk about our life group ministry and present that to you. Build lifelong relationships. Number four, the health of every Christian home. I believe that there's a cultural attack on the Christian home, don't you? It is everywhere, not just... But I'm not just talking about the physical, but I'm also talking about the emotional health of the home, the spiritual health of the home, the financial health of the home, that we pray for those things. You know, Joshua, Joshua was dealing with the elders of Israel, and he told them, you, you got to decide who you're going to serve. You know, he, he says... Don't, don't just stand before me and talk about how good God is and then go, out, go away from me and live your life and have your little gods in your houses and all of these things that you bow down and worship to throughout the week because they are more important to you than your relationship with God. Paul says, you, Joshua says, you got to decide. And he says those famous words, as for me and my house, what will we do? We will serve the Lord. He did not wait until everybody else responded or what they said. He made a decision. It doesn't matter if you agree or if you're going to go along with it. My house, we're going to serve God Almighty. And so we need to pray for our families. We need to be praying for our children. Can I encourage you to do this? Bring your children to church every time the doors are opened. Do so. I have noticed this trend. We bring our children to church on Sunday morning because they go to Kids Zone. We bring them to church on Wednesday nights because they're in Awana. That way we don't have to sit here and we don't have to try to teach them to be quiet and sit down and listen. We're worried about that and so we choose not to do that. That is a trend. That is happening. There are a lot, I know this. I know that there are a lot of churches who have just got tired of their crowd not being anything on Sunday night, and so the pastors just decide, I'd rather just not have church. We'll say everybody can have family time, and you go do your thing, and we'll not have church on Sunday night. That has become a trend. But the last I checked in the Bible, it is the Lord's day, not the Lord's morning. Today is Christy Holsenbach's birth. Day. It's Camden Watkins' birthday. Happy birthday, Camden. We celebrate that day all day long, don't we? Not till, not till 11, 15, 11.30, and then we don't celebrate it anymore. So I want to encourage you. Bring your children to church every time you get a chance. Let them see you in service praising the Lord when we're singing. Don't they need to see that? Amen. 
They need to see you praising the Lord in worship. Raise your hand occasionally. All right? Let God move you a little bit. They need to see you listening to preaching with your Bible open. They need to see you doing that. They need to see you get up and go to the altar and pray. Why is our homes in such a mess today? Why are our children leaving? Because we're not setting the example as men and women in our house. Let them see you. Why, why, Daddy, why did you go to the altar today? And explain that to them. Let them see you greet one another. How do we interact with one another? Daddy, how, how do I talk to this? We tell our children, you need to go talk to somebody. You need to be friends with them. Show them how to be friends with strangers. Show them how to greet people. I need to go back to there. Because we know that we don't want all of our kids speaking with strangers. You understand what I'm saying. You understand what I'm saying. Let them see you put something in the offering plate. Now I'm going to give a big amen there. Because recently we didn't have kids on Christmas it was Christmas because I wasn't here in New Year's. It was Christmas morning. We didn't have kids on. And so one of our young children who are normally in kids zone was in service. And when the offering plate went around, Daddy opened up his wallet and was about to put something in. And the little boy said something like this, is that all you're putting in there? It was something like that. He saw, he saw more in that wallet than what was going in. And so the daddy shared that with me. I shared, I don't, I'm not going to say who it was. He shared that with me. I love that little kid. So I'm glad we're not having kids on today. Let them see you serve the Lord. Quickly, individual growth of the believers, number five. Turn, turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. I've got to hurry because if I don't, I'm going to get an ugly look from the nursery workers. <laughs> That's an inside joke. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 11. Read with me, okay? And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith, not just the handfuls here and there, but all of us, that we're all growing and, and, and being edified in the perfecting of the saints. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine for the slate of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body into the edifying of itself in love. Every part of the body of Christ is important. That means every individual is important. Ladies, you are important to God. God loves you. God cares about you. 
God has an interest in your life. And guys, God has an interest in your life. I've been stressing this to my own boys lately because they're growing up and they're preparing to spread their wings and fly. And I will tell all of you the same thing. I remind them that you have been living at a home where we have made decisions after decisions that we're going to serve the Lord and that we want God's blessing upon our house. And my boys have enjoyed experiencing those blessings. But they are reaching a time where they got to go after their own. Sometimes I beat myself up because I see somebody struggling in their faith. And I think, what did I do wrong? How could I have done better? How could I have helped them more? And there are times where I believe that I could always improve and do better. But Jason Jenkins, you're responsible for your own individual walk with the Lord. Amen? It's not my responsibility, it's yours. And you boys, it's not on your mamas and daddies, it's on you. Will you walk with the Lord? Your growth, we can, we can come up with program after program, we can do all of these things. We're going to meet the needs of this and meet the needs of that and all of this stuff. We can have men's and women's Bible studies. We can have all of these things to try to help. But at some point, every person has to take responsibility. I am going to get in the Word of God and I'm going to let God speak to me today. We are all responsible for our own individual growth as believers. It's not the church's fault. It's not the pastor's fault. We have our own responsibility. Six, that there's a spirit of revival. Mark chapter 12. Turn there with me quickly. Mark chapter 12. That there's a spirit of revival in our church. I know we're having a revival coming up. We're having a special meeting. That we're dedicating those few days to come together in different times. But I don't want to just have a couple of days of meeting. That's all it is. Mark 12, look with me in verse 28. And one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. If we practice verse 30, we'd have a revival. If we practice verse 30, there are many problems that will be taken care of. And he says, he says verse 31, and this is the second. The second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. We'd have great revival in our own life if we practice verses 30 and verse 31. Seven, that there's an increased faith. Romans 10, 17, that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We want to see our faith increased, get in the word. We want to see our faith increased, claim the promises of God and trust him with those things. 
Number eight, that souls will be saved and discipled. Amen. Out, we have outreach next week. Let's be about the Lord's business and let's reach out to our community. Let's saturate the community and, and try to make a difference by letting people know, hey, we're here. There's a church that loves you. We want to point you to Jesus Christ. Get in FBI. That gets you through three years of the Bible. Get in discipleship. I understand we had some graduates just in the last couple of weeks. We had three more about to start discipleship this week. Pray about that. Mark, you're in Mark. Turn to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Pray for laborers. Pray for laborers. Look with me in verse 37. That's not the one I want. I apologize. Jesus said this. Jesus says, say not that the harvest is not ready. The harvest is ready. He says, pray that the Father will send forth laborers into his harvest. He's telling us to pray. There is more to be done. You say, well, the world is bad. Our country is in bad shape right now. That means there's a lot to be done. It is not time, Gary, it is not time to put our Bible down and, say, and throw our hands up to the wind. It is time to get after it. We, I, I, am praying, I am praying for more, more people who want to serve. I'm praying for more people to be called into ministry, that there's more preachers, that there's more missionaries. I'm praying for those things. It is not time to be concerned with our own little, our own little part of this world. It is, it is time for us to be concerned with the gospel going forth throughout this world. We need more labors. Listen, I'm about done, but let me say this. The problem is not we need more churches. There are churches everywhere. The problem is we don't have anyone doing anything in those churches. We need more laborers, people on fire for God. And then the last, number 10, be faithful. Go back to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and look with me in verse 17. Just be faithful. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Whatever it is that we do, let's do it in the name of Christ. Let's give thanks to Him. Let's praise Him. Let's be used of Him. Let's do things for His glory and not our own. Just be faithful in whatever God has called you to do. Culture, just be faithful. Landon, just be faithful. Let God do something in your life. There's the old phrase. Let's have our, let's, Denise, if you'll come, or whoever needs to come. There's the old phrase. If you, if you continue to do the same thing you've always done, you'll always get the same results. Right? Don't be afraid to do things a little bit different. 
Don't be afraid to grow, to expand, to step out on faith, to meet somebody new. Just be faithful to God. And at the end of the day, may we lay our head down at night and say with a clear conscience, God, I did everything that I could today. I did everything that I could today. Let's bow our heads.